Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. And so tonight, we're going to study for a few moments on praying for results. Praying for results. If they would go right ahead and put up nugget number one, we got several we want to go through tonight, and then we'll get right into the Gospel of John. Nugget number one, please. Let's read it together. If results do not follow our prayer life, if results do not follow, our prayer life is not working. Oh, isn't that powerful? Let's say it one more time. If our prayer life, if results are not following, do you know anybody? Have you ever engaged in prayer and didn't see the results as a result of your prayer? That can be a very discouraging uh, uh, event. Am, am I telling the truth? Yeah, so let's say it again. If results do not follow, our prayer life is not working. Nugget number two, please. There is no use praying if you are not praying for results. There is no use praying if you're not praying for results. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Nugget number three, please. Nugget number three. God always honors his word. Can you say it with me? God always honors his word. Nugget number four. It's a rather lengthy one, but we can do it. If our hearts does not condemn us, it gives us confidence and assurance in prayer. If our hearts are right toward God, then we have confidence, assurance when we engage in prayer. Can somebody say amen? Look at nugget number five. Look, nugget number five. Love in action. Not just saying you love, but love in action gives assurance in prayer. Love, come on, say it out loud. Love in action gives assurance in prayer. Nugget number six. Nugget number six. The enemy to your prayer is spiritual and the warfare is spiritual. So when you decide to pray, you must understand that you have an enemy that will do everything in his power, first of all, to prevent you from engaging in prayer. And then if you engage in prayer, that you've so orchestrated your life where you don't qualify to get a prayer through. The enemy to our prayer is spiritual. And the spiritual or the warfare is what? And the warfare is spiritual. Last nugget. I think this is good. The last nugget. There are satanic forces and heavenly forces in the unseen world. I want to say it again. There are satanic forces in the heavenlies in the invisible realm, in the invisible world, in another dimension, there are satanic forces. But there are also heavenly forces. Somebody ought to get happy over that truth. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And tonight we're talking about praying 
for results. Praying for results. We're not praying hoping so. We're not praying uh, we believe so. No, we're praying knowing so. That when we pray, we're going to get results. That makes sense, doesn't it? If, If you're not sure that you're going to get results in prayer, what incentive is it to engage in it? But if you know, good God of mercy, if you know that the petition that you're asking of God, that it qualifies according to the covenant that has been ratified, amen, being sealed by the blood of Jesus, then you can go boldly to the throne of God and obtain mercy. Why? Because you have confidence that what God said, he's well able to perform. Oh, Jesus. Are you in John chapter 16? Look at verse number 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, who? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, 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 and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, to really understand the impact of what we just read, you really need to go back and listen to last week's Bible study lesson on prayer is the key to power, or the secret to power is prayer. And where I shared with you, I don't have time to do it tonight, where there's nowhere in the scriptures, there's nowhere where Jesus taught the disciples to pray to him. But let's, let's, move, let's move right along. Again, we ask the Father through who? We ask the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. So when we're desiring something of the Father, Jesus Christ, our great, our great Redeemer, kinsman's Redeemer, through his finished work of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father as your great intercessor, your, your, your great intercessor. He's my intercessor. Good God of mercy. He's, he's there pleading your case and pleading my case. Hallelujah. So through the finished work of Jesus, he gives us access to the Father because all blessings come from the Father. And we are, we are recipients of the blessings of the Father when we come through his son Jesus. There is no other way to the Father but through him. You can't come to the Father through Buddha. You can't come to the Father through Muhammad. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Can somebody say amen to this truth? So there is no use in praying if you're not praying for results. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah Chapter 43, quickly, verse 25. Verse 25. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, somebody, this is a word for you in verse number 19. God said, I know things have been difficult. I know things have been challenging. But behold, I'm getting ready to do a new thing in your life. That word is for somebody tonight. Grab a hold of it and claim it as your own. Look at verse number 25 of the same chapter. Isaiah chapter 43. He says, I even I. Am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember. 
Oh, this is good. Your sins. Then look at the next verse. He says, put me in remembrance. Put him in remembrance of what? Put him in remembrance of what he promised. Put him in remembrance of what he said. So when you come to God in prayer, you don't come saying anything you want to say. You don't say things out of your emotions. You put him in remembrance of what he said. Good God of mercy. I said you put him in remembrance of what he said. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice God said, put me in remembrance. In other words, bring his word before him. Remind God of his promises. God says, put me in remembrance. If you're in trouble, what did he promise? If you're sick, what did he promise? If your enemies is coming in like a flood and look like the devil on your job is going to overtake you, what did God promise you? And whatever he promised, God said, put me in remembrance. Tell me what I said I would do in that situation. And I have to do it because my word, my word, my word, if I send it forth, it has to accomplish the thing that has been sent forth to do. Oh, this is good news. I said, this is good news. God always honors his word. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Praying for results. Mark 16, look at verse 20. Mark chapter 16, verse number 20. Look at, look at this. God, say that with me. God always honors his word. Say this, I will pray. Come on, say it out loud. I will pray. Okay, well, let's, let's just park the car there. Will you? Let's say it again. I will pray. I will pray with expectations. Ooh, Jesus. Now, we're in, we're in Mark chapter 16. Look at verse number 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. Look at the next the next statement, the Lord working with them and confirming what? And confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. Good God of mercy. So the word of God said that when they went out and preached, when they went out and declared the word of the Lord, the Bible says in essence that God got involved. God got involved. He not only got involved, but the Bible says that signs accompany their mission in going forward. And signs should be following you and I. As we go forth and tell the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and these signs should follow those who believe. I'm talking to believers tonight. This is Wednesday night Bible study. I'm not talking to sinners right now. I'm talking to believers. And the Bible says that when you're a believer, signs should follow. When you minister, when you go forth in his name, in your going, you go in his name. In your coming, you go in his name. Whatever you do, you do it in his name. Whatever you do in work or deed, you do it in his name. And the Bible says that when you go in his name, the word of God said that signs will follow those who believe. So miracles should be, should be a common occurrence in your life. Signs and wonders should be happening in your life on a common occurrence. Why? Because you're a believer. Can somebody say Amen. Now, let's, let's look at this. Uh, the disciples did not go out and the Lord did not work with them and confirm the word. So when the disciples went out, come on, church. So, so it's not enough for me. It's not enough for you. It's not enough for any preacher to stand in a pulpit and just preach and teach. 
If you're preaching the word, if you're teaching the uncompromising word of God, the Bible says signs follow the word. Oh, my goodness. Signs doesn't follow what you think. Signs doesn't follow your creed. Signs follow the word. Good God of mercy. In other words, God said, you can't release my word. You can't talk of me about me. You can't talk about my goodness. You cannot talk about my miracle working power. And I not show up and confirm that what I did in days gone by, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, if I parted the Red Sea in days gone by, I'll part the Red Sea for you. And if Pharaoh is chasing you, I'm telling you, God's going to make a way for you to escape. And just like Pharaoh and his army, they drowned in the Red Sea. God will release, amen, on your behalf to war on your behalf. And you'll walk over to the other side and you'll see your enemy no more. Oh, Jesus, somebody ought to be stirred up now. So the disciples did not go out and the Lord did not work with them and confirm the word. So when I go out, I'm out now. When I go out and I'm out now, somebody say, how are you? I'm in your house. You're listening to me in your house. I'm in your house. You're listening to me in another country. I'm in your country. I've gone out. And just like the disciples of old, when they went out, God worked with them. And I've gone out today. And wherever you are listening to this broadcast, I'm going out. And being that I stepped out in faith, God's going to confirm the word that I'm speaking tonight over your life with signs following. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John Chapter 3, you there? Say amen. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 21. Behold, here we go. Behold, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Well, uh, my great teacher and mentor, uh, Apostle Frederick A.C. Price, he would call it the flip-flop method. And so I'm going to engage in the flip-flop method on this particular verse, let's read it again. He says, behold, if your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence toward God. Okay, flip-flop. If I don't have confidence in my heart, or if I have something in my heart that condemns me, then I won't have confidence to what God has promised in his word. The Bible says, beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, so if my heart is condemning me, then I won't have confidence toward God. Look at the next verse. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we have confidence toward God. Look, look what it says. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, if I keep the word of God and do those things that are pleasing in the sight of God, my heart condemns me not. Why? Because I'm obedient. And when you're obedient, it's just like with parents. When you're obedient to your parents and you've done what they told you to do, I mean, you have great confidence in going in there and asking them for something, maybe some extra money or some, some you know, some picture show money or some, 
some, I, I don't know today, uh, you know, back in my day, you know, if you got a dime, it was, you know, you're doing real good. And the dollar was just, you know, way, way over the top. But whatever it is that you're wanting to ask of your parents, when you know that you've done what they told you to do, you know, you, you've, uh, you've taken out the trash, you've, you've cleaned your bedroom without them asking you. you, you know, your mom and dad came home, you was running the sweep, you were just cleaning the house and, and dusting the chandeliers, just doing things, just, just showing expressions of appreciation to your parents that you're just glad that they're your parents. You're just glad that they got a roof over your head. You're just glad that they put food in the refrigerator. You're just glad that God is using your parents to make sure all your needs are met. And out of that gratitude, you just start doing things in the house, even if the parents don't even ask you to do it. You just wanted to show them how, how thankful you are and how, how glad you are and how appreciative you are of them being your parents. And then your parents give you that look like, you know, if you need something, just ask me. Why? Because you've been bringing joy to their hearts because you've done what they told you to do. Well, if your natural parents are that way, how much more is our Heavenly Father the same way? When we're doing what he's told us to do. So if our heart does not condemn us, it gives us a confidence and assurance. It gives us a confidence and an assurance in prayer. Oh, my, I need to say that again. When we engage in prayer and 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 we're not carrying any condemnation. Let, let me let me back up because there's no reason in the world for you as a child of God to be carrying condemnation because all you have to do is repent. I don't care what you've done. You know, I know men, you know, people have classifications of different kinds of sin, but in the eyes of God, sin is sin. And sin is just simply falling short of what you know you're supposed to do. And God says, when you do that, just repent. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's just and faithful to forgive you, not just forgive you, but to cleanse you. From all unrighteousness. So, so when you confess your sins, I mean, that thing is gone. That thing is gone. So there's no way for you to be embracing a, a, an attitude or a spirit of condemnation when you've asked God to forgive you for whatever you've made a mistake over. And God says, if you ask for forgiveness, he gives it to you. So now you can stand bold before God with confidence that your prayers are not hindered as a result of you being disobedient. Can somebody say amen? amen. I said, somebody say amen? amen. So if our hearts does not condemn us, it gives us a confidence and an assurance in prayer. Listen, brothers and sisters, it is, it is so wonderful. It is, it is so wonderful to have assurance in prayer. L listen, brothers and sisters, just think that Every time you go before God, you go with an attitude. I know he hears me. And I know he's released the answer. Oh, my. That'll inspire you to pray, won't it? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we become discouraged in our prayer life. It's when we've done all this praying and we don't see anything. And I'm saying if you're not seeing anything, it's nothing wrong with the word. It may be you're not enacting the principles because there's principles to prayer. And one of the principles in getting your prayer answered on this particular uh, lesson is you have to do what God told you to do. Can somebody say amen to this truth? I said, can somebody say amen to this truth? L look at verse number 22 again. 
Look, look at the first John again, chapter three, verse uh, 22. Verse, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. What else do we do? And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So because we love God, we are obedient to God. And love in action gives assurance in prayer. When your life is pleasing to God, you can expect him to hear and to answer your prayer. Isn't that good news? When your life is pleasing to God, is your life pleasing to God? If it's not pleasing, all you have to do is repent. Get right back on track. Tell God you're sorry and mean it. And start yielding to the Holy Spirit. Because if you'll be led by the Spirit, the Word of God says you'll not yield to the lust of the flesh. You'll live a life that is pleasing to him. And God promised that when you live a faithful life that is pleasing to him, he said he will withhold no good thing to those who walk uprightly. Man, I'm preaching and teaching better than you're responding. Look, look at verse number 23. Look, look at verse 23 real quick. And in this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That's a condition. That's a condition, and, and, and whatever you ask of God, having confidence that whatever you ask, you have the assurance that is granted. What is the condition? That, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and here, here's the rest of it, don't stop there, and love one another. Oh, my. So, so you, you, you can't expect to get your prayers answered if you're out of the love walk with your brothers and your sisters. God says, how can you say that you love me and you've never seen me and are jealous and envious and a gossiper and a backbiter with your brother and sister who you see every day? Smile in their face and then stab them in the back when they're absent. God says, how can you say you love me and you've never seen me and yet you hate your brother? It's talking about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. It's talking about brothers. It talk, it's talking about men and women in the family of God. If a man is in the family of God, that's your brother. If a lady is in the family of God or a female, that's your sister. Hallelujah. And God says, how can you say you love me and you've never seen me and hate your brother who you see every day? Boy, this is, this is good teaching. So, so John says, don't say you believe on God and then not love one another. This is what John is saying. John says, don't say, I don't want to hear you talking about how much you love God. And then you turn around and say things that are expressions that you don't love your brother or your sister. Oh my, this, this is good teaching here. This is so desperately needed today. Christians gossiping about one another. Christians gossiping and backbiting, turning other people in the body of Christ, trying to turn them against another brother or sister, 
because you don't like them. And the reason you don't like them is because you're carnal. Because if you were spiritual, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be saying the things that you're saying. You wouldn't be doing the things that you are doing if you were spiritual. Because if you were spiritual, you would be walking in the love walk. And the Bible says love never fails. Love covers a multitude. So when you find and discover your brother has made a mistake, you don't get on the phone and call over your friends all around the country. You cover them. First, you cover them with prayer. You cover them with love. And you pray for their restoration. Because you never know what's down the road. The, the, the same mercy and grace that they need from you, you may need it later. And it's hard to make a withdrawal at the bank if you put nothing in. Oh, my. This is so desperately needed today. Real Christians walking in love. Because when I walk in love, nobody can come into my presence and run you down. You can't talk about somebody I love, not to me. For the mere fact you're talking about them is only a sign that you don't love them like I do. Sure, I know they're human. Sure, I know they make mistakes. I make some myself. But I'm not going to let you run them down in my presence. I'm going to stay in the love walk. So if you want to talk about somebody in my presence, I'm going to stop you and say, hey, hold on, brother, sister. Let's pray for them first. I guarantee if you call a prayer meeting, you'll, I mean, you'll run off a whole lot of folk who the enemy have just sent to try to contaminate your spirit. So when you go to God, you won't have confidence. How are you going to have confidence toward God in your prayer life when you know you just run brother and sister Johnson down? Or you sitting in the church singing the praise and the worship songs knowing that you can't stand somebody on the other side of the church. No, no, you need to stop singing and get that right in your heart. Oh, Jesus, you're preaching now, preacher. I said, you're preaching now. Listen, whatever you are praying about, stand your ground until victory manifests. Whatever you're praying about, stand your ground until victory manifests. I'm going to Ephesians chapter six, and I'm going to close it out tonight with that. But you got to pray. Pr prayer is, is, is so vitally important. I said prayer is so violent. Prayer was one of the things that the disciples were all, was always bumping into Jesus. Anytime at night, sometimes just bumping into him, praying on his knees. Jesus, the son of the living God, on his knees, praying to God often. Oh, my. As a matter of fact, Jesus prayed before he chose the 12 apostles. Jesus prayed at the grave of Lazarus. He prayed to the father. And after he got finished praying, he said, Lazarus, come forward. He was always praying. When he was working miracles, signs and wonders, Jesus was always praying. Always praying. And just before he paid the ultimate price for you and I, he was going to have to go to Golgotha's hill and, and lay his life down for your sins and my sins and for him to be able to accomplish that feat. Notice what he engaged in. In the garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't sleeping. He was praying. He was praying. And here's, here's the challenge to me and to you. For Jesus to live a life 
that was pleasing to the father, it's clear he wasn't able to do it without prayer. He was always praying to the father. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. Jesus, Jesus said, he said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. Where did he hear it? Where did he, where did he see it? He heard it and he saw it in his prayer life. And whatever he heard the father say, whatever he saw the father do, he got up and acted it out. So Jesus wasn't doing things on his own accord. He was doing things in obedience to the father. He was always studying. He was always praying. And he was always doing miracles, signs, and wonders. But that was a result of him always staying connected to the father. Oh, Jesus, this, this is good news. Are you in Ephesians 6? Let, let's finish up with this. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 12. Remember Isaiah, he said, put God in remembrance. Uh, put God in remembrance of the promises that he said. In Isaiah 54, 17, he said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. In Romans 8, 31, he said, if God be for you, it's more than the world against you. In Philippians chapter 4, 13, he said, I can do, you can do all things through Christ because he, he strengthens you. So whenever something is coming up against you, the word of God said, you face that thing and put God in remembrance of what he said. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. In 1 Peter 2, 24, he says, if you're sick, put God in remembrance that by his stripes, he said, you are healed. In Philippians 4, 19, put God in remembrance if you're needing a breakthrough, you need a final financial breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your family. The word of God said, and God shall supply all of my needs according to his reach. And we can go on and on and on. But God says, put me in remembrance of my word. Let's close in Ephesians chapter six. You there? Look at uh, verse number 12, Ephesians six and 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly, in heavenly places. So the word of God, Paul is telling the church at Ephesus and he's telling you and I, matter of fact, it's almost like he's referring to Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Paul is saying, listen, that when you make a decision to engage in prayer, that you're going to be opposed by the unseen enemy. Oh my. Is this good? The enemy to your prayer is spiritual. Remember? The enemy to your prayer is spiritual. Remember Daniel chapter 10? The word of God said that the angel, the angel of the Lord was sent to Daniel. And the Bible says, the angel said to Daniel, said, Daniel, the day you set your heart to pray, God released the answer. But the prince, unseen forces, wicked spirits in the unseen world, the prince of Persia was, was prevailing, trying to stop your answer from coming. But the Bible says that, that, that your prayer was answered for the word's sake. Good God of mercy. I said, good God of mercy. So, so the messenger angel was held up in this spiritual realm for a manifestation in Daniel's life. And the Bible says that Michael, the archangel, came and assisted 
the messenger angel. Are you listening to me? Well, I'm saying today, if the enemy was opposing prayer in the Old Testament, the enemy is opposing prayer in the New Testament. Oh, God. But Daniel prayed. Hallelujah. And he didn't pray like you and I. The Bible said he prayed three weeks. Good God of mercy. He prayed three weeks. And by the time he got an answer, the angel appeared to him and said, listen, the day that you set your heart to pray went three weeks ago. So if you prayed a prayer, child of God, I want you tonight to know tonight, don't give up on your prayer that you prayed for your daughter. Don't give up your prayer that you prayed for your son. Don't give up on your prayer that you prayed for your marriage. Don't give up on your prayer that you prayed for your family. Don't give up on your prayer that you prayed for your business. Hallelujah. I done preached myself happy now. There is a great deal more about this universe in which we live than meets the eye. What did I just say? I'm saying to you that there's more to this universe than the things that you can see with your natural eye. And you may be able to see some enemies with your natural eye, but that's not your worst enemy. Your worst enemy is in the unseen realm. And that's who Paul said, for we wrestle not against one another, flesh and blood. That's why in the church, we got to stop all this foolishness of being offended. Being offended is a sign to you that you're carnal. And if you don't deal with it correctly, being offended will get you out of the love walk. And when you get out of the love wall, the things of God will not work in your life. Just get a hold of this. You're holding something against somebody. And as a result of you holding a defense in your heart against somebody, and they might, may not even know it. But as a result of you engaging in that ungodly act, your marriage, your family, your finances could be destroyed all because of this thing you're holding on to. I charge you tonight to let it go. It's not worth it. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they've done. Let let it go. If Jesus can let it go, you and I certainly can let it go. Amen. So there are satanic forces and heavenly forces in the unseen world. Don't become discouraged. Satan and demonic forces are in the unseen world. But I got good news for you. Angels that God have assigned on your behalf are in the unseen world as well. Bidding your business. The Bible says that he have sent ministering angels to minister for us. Good God of mercy. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.